Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hello, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs Podcast, where I speak to musicians, bands and artists about the story of their survival and their experiences along their way. I'm so excited to welcome Catherine Woods from Fresh to the show. We've known each other for a long time, Catherine and I. From hearing the first Fresh demo, Get Bent, there was something special about it, and that's always remained in her songwriting. None even more so than on their new record, The Summer I Got Good at Guitar, an EP out now on Specialist Subjects Records. I'm sure if you're listening to this, then you've already heard it, but I employ you to go and buy it, and I think they've got a great t-shirt design from John O'Gans, still for sale if it hasn't sold out already. But thank you so much for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs Podcast. Last week, I announced a book to celebrate 101 episodes. If you go on to 101parttimejobs.com, you can find it there. It's a 35-page illustrated by John O'Gans and Eva Nagengast as well. Hardback, full of stories from Thurston Moore, Brian Devendorf of The National, Marika Hackman, Izzy B. Phillips of Black Honey, Tim Burgess, and a whole lot more. So you can go on to 101parttimejobs.com for that. There's about 20 left and, uh, and I'm really excited about getting them in the post next week and sending them out. East London Signature Brew have been making beers with bands since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Idols, Sports Team and a whole lot more. If you go on to signaturebrew.co.uk, you can get 10% off with the voucher code 101podcast, all capital letters. Right, that's all the housework done. Here's Catherine Woods from Fresh. Go well. You're on the campaign trail for, you know, for the new record, for the new EP. <laughs> what are you yeah. laughing at? <laughs> Shaking a couple babies, kissing a couple hands. <laughs> that is exactly how it feels. Really? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I mean, releasing records is, is pretty, you know, it's, it's a range of emotions, right? It, it is. And all those emotions are like highly like synthesized because of lockdown like you're literally just playing like fantasy band you're doing it all through a screen like obviously like social media and like virtual stuff is really important regardless of you know pandemic status but it's all we have now like I've got like no tour or like show to kind of like pad it out so it it feels like maybe like 30% more surreal (laughs) just because of that (laughs) you're going to bed not like your ears ringing right where you can be like oh that was a good show or yeah exactly did you lot you know at some point during lockdown have a kind of a sit down or at least a kind of communications (laughs) thing where you're like okay what can we you know what can we do Mm -hmm. how can we make this the best for people who like fresh but also for us I think that that, well we did have a a proper discussion with specialist subject where we were like we want to go all out on this and kind of like really commit to like just kind of pushing it from a press perspective which was kind of exciting um and it and it felt like it felt like the right thing to do after after kind of just like also you know it's not like we're sacrificing or like we're putting aside all the kind of maybe more like natural progression stuff it's just kind of like adding it on and we'd already done it with the other albums so yeah it it felt it felt like a like it made sense and that was quite exciting. That's a conversation I love to have because I look back at my experience <laughs> and, you know, think I did things differently when you kind of hit the nail in the head, you know, the way I think about it just then mm. in the way that, I mean, there's so many different parts here, especially in indie rock, punk rock, whatever you want to call it, where <laughs> there is this kind of attitude and I don't really know where it comes from, but it's like, you know, you kind of earn your stripes kind of thing. 
which I have never really fucked with. I've never really agreed with that. I, I, you know. Yeah, I agree. Like the playing field wasn't even to start out with. So what's this kind of like right. bullshit, bullshit, like uh, posturing badge earning thing gonna, you know, if, you know, it's just not, it's not real. It's, totally. it's, it's, it's a nice, I can imagine like if you could like apply it in some kind of way where like, but you know, like some kind of like really stringent moral ethical way of like recognizing people's commitment to something and hard work and stuff like that's fine. But I, I don't think that's the kind of thing that we're both talking about. Like, I actually think that kind of posturing is just designed to kind of maybe, I don't know, make people feel self-conscious about how they see their own art when they want to promote it and maybe make them feel kind of just too shy or like retiring to kind of maybe even start or even try I don't know I think yeah that's a really interesting point I mean it feels like when when that is present and it you know it's it's present in kind of manifests itself in different ways from even you know when like you know someone might just say an offhand comment and you're like "What, what the fuck shut up yeah I do remember like after withdrawal came out like someone kind of a a few people kind of just went like oh you guys have gotten you know really busy or really I think they even said really big which is silly I think (laughs) but you know they'd say that and I think kind of I I had that exact kind of maybe maybe wrongly defensive kind of like thing but I just remember kind of just saying back quite quickly (laughs) just like well you know we work really hard Mm, mm. (laughs) like yeah like you should be defensive (laughs) I wish I'd have told some people to do one I don't want people to think that I'm being, you know, <laughs> uh, look, my, my uh, genuinely, I'm not, pe- some people are scared of dying. Some people are scared of living their life alone without love. I'm scared of hurting people's feelings. That's my biggest fear in life. And so for me to be like, to, to prior prioritize my feelings is probably yeah. speaks volumes about how I feel about that in terms of like how I reply to that. <laughs> and it kind of goes hand in hand with your lyrics I think and I think mm. you're you're such a brave lyricist well thank you you're saying how you feel and I I think that's fucking hard it is and I think I think the only reason I do that is because I like I I would not dare speak it that frustration builds up over time and then I mean I I I don't know if it's a question of bravery it's just like because I don't allow myself that outlet in like a conversational uh direct speech kind of way I literally just it has to go somewhere and maybe that is a good thing I I I wish I was more not confrontational but more able to channel that energy of my lyrics and my performing into my everyday life but I think also that's just part of being in your 20s and like growing Mm -hmm. as a person so hopefully Hopefully there's still some development to be done in that area. <laughs> and, and playing music and being the lyricist, mm. um, you know, I'm sure you've thought of this quite a lot. You're, you're, you're growing. In, yeah. you're, you're growing very publicly. That's what I love about, about music and about being in a band. You have this kind of really unique, cool way to like reflect upon yourself. It sounds quite selfish, but like I've always thought that like that there's like some there's kind of a narrative that bands especially when it's like queer bands or bands with women in them and it's not an untrue narrative but there's this kind of idea forced upon yourself that you're a band and you're speaking for other people or you're kind of like 
you're helping other people and stuff. But I do think at the core of it, at least for me, and I think a lot more people than they'd like to admit, you're 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 doing a band for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a selfish venture, and that's not a bad thing. Um, I think it would be really noble to start out a band with the intent of helping people, but I, I really don't think that happens a lot. I don't think, but I don't think we should pretend that that's a thing. I think it's great if it if it does help people, but it you know it's definitely never been an a, an aim of fresh. <laughs> I'm glad it. I'm glad it is is a, a an effect, but it's not never been a name. <laughs> you is know? that something that you you lot can talk about? Have you been able to reflect on that and and grow after talking about it within the band? I think I think the others are very. I know that the others are very respectful of my lyrics and my space. In that we talk we we talk about my lyrics, but only kind of after everything's been recorded maybe i think they they don't ever want to sway my lyrics so, mm. so such to the point that they're very reticent about it mm-hmm. um we've had we've had some like we've had some some instances where someone at a show will will talk to me about how they've overcome things and and fresh was in their in their life at that time and then i think which is amazing but again it makes me worried because like you know the first thing i say is like that's crazy because that song helped me as well that's why i wrote it like because it was it was for me and i'm so glad that it was there for you but i want you to know that you did that yourself and 100 percent. i i always want to make that clear and put that forward without dismissing their what they're saying to me and then when that happens like I guess I'll like turn to Dan or George or whoever's at merch and I'll be like that's that's insane and they'll be like yeah (laughs) so I I think that's probably the extent of what we discussed just because we kind of the the others in in fresh really are really supportive of me as a lyricist and we already know who's got what role so yeah. it doesn't I, I actually we don't speak about it as much as maybe people would assume it's a funny thing you know mentioning roles Wayne Kramer from the MC, MC5 I think mm. you know I've, I've read a few times when he said like from the very start we had to have roles we had to have defined yeah. roles absolutely and it, it seems kind of like anti-fun to do that but yeah doesn't that I mean I feel like that's smart oh no absolutely I think People, when you say the ro- word like roles, people mm. think of a business team or something right. corporate, but it's the exact opposite. It's like, it's like what all those kind of like late 80s bands talked about, like jamming econo and like, you know, approaching touring and being mm-hmm. in a band yeah. in a kind of like uh, analytical, critical way and like, yeah, I think I think it it stops further confusion down the line and also it makes people feel like they're all contributing to the band even if they're not writing the lyrics. Yeah. Or you know, even like yeah. I have I have no input really about the drum part. So, you mm. know, it's good mm. that I know that my role in the band is to write the lyrics, for example, and like yeah, I think I think Fresh is actually just by coincidence, not because I knew this when I started Fresh, but just because 
of personalities and the way things worked out like we all have really really clear distinct roles and we have since the start which has been great I I think that kind of organizational part of it is is so interesting because to me that's the most punk thing yeah yeah (laughs) saying the word punk is funny (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's true I mean for me it's true yeah I mean that that's and I think that's what is at the root of my yeah well we work really hard comment that for some reason is still in my head even though that that incident happened years ago not years ago Mm -hmm. but well Mm -hmm. two years ago now I guess but like people don't they see the the public facing thing which is I mean you know it's probably what like 30 percent of the whole process like yeah so much less now in COVID unfortunately because it's the bit I like the most but it's even though I love the the performing and I love playing shows and I love touring and it's why I started a band it's absolutely the thing I love the most but even I I have to like admit it's not the most important part you know it's not the part where where the progress is made um Mm -hmm. you kind of have to eat your vegetables and you know like I like that make sure you're on top of um (laughs) answering emails and thinking of thinking out of the box for cool ways to like present your like your your record sleeves and like yeah you you have to really be an artist and you know uh I don't know a a speech writer and you know all these different things um you you talked about um the press circuit (laughs) like you have to be a bit of a politician oh my god I'm gonna get cancelled but you have to you have to take you have to think of ways to use your charisma to get people to care about your music. I mean, I think it's interesting because as like an indie rock, punk rock band, it does seem it does seem like there's there's not that many avenues mm. to reach new people. Yeah, it's crazy how once you've hit a target that you, well, not a target, but like something that you'd entertained in your mind, once you've hit that, it's meaningless not in a devaluing (laughs) way in terms of like journalism and press but like Mm. you realize that it speaks absolutely nothing to your ultimate identity in the band and that's like a continuing conundrum of of promoting and being in such a restrictive genre you know just in terms of yeah how it's written about and stuff absolutely trying to stay on top of that trying to be aware of it but also because I often think with press releases I know this because I'm a Mm. sort of a part-time writer where it's the easiest thing for a uh, for a journalist to just kind of you know mince uh, you know use different words use the thesaurus of what's in the press release so you actually do have a really big um ability to to put these words in people's heads to put them in in their mouths yeah like depending on the publication um depending on the amount of time or resources the journalists have mm. they, they they'll, they'll 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 copy and paste the press release um hopefully yeah, they won't happens. and hopefully they'll embellish it but like i'm you know i'm not going to fault them for that um but i think yeah, we should so... i think we should fault them <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> i mean you know my first it wasn't a job and so i was considering about this for the podcast but it was it was I, it was unpaid, but I, my first kind of like foray into work in music was when I wrote for a music publication, and I did it as a teenager so that I could get into shows for free because I couldn't afford tickets. I had and I no got idea. To, 
yeah so I got to into I, I would like do interviews and do live reviews of features I interviewed like the front bottoms and prawn and kind of great fireworks and stuff like pop punk bands um yeah and the amount of time I put into that even though it was unpaid <laughs> I'm I, like I yeah I I'm glad I did that I'm also really angry I did that but you know um I think yeah I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this but well no I, well it's <laughs> no you were totally 101 part-time jobs this is the place like you're you're <laughs> doing my job for me you're steering the ship thank you where was your thinking at the time where what was your kind of route into that well so I, I probably started that at about 17, but when I was 16, I had guitar lessons at my school and our guitar teacher was, I think he, he'd been a, he played in bands and he'd been, he'd been a session musician, I think for some kind of mainstreamy stuff. So he would get us, he would get me tickets to shows like Fall Out Boy and Noah and the Whale and stuff. Great. Um, and he would say, oh, well, you, you should write a review for me. Like he'd be, you know, he kind of turn it into homework. Um which I was fine about. And then at that time I was only just learning guitar. So I didn't, I mean, I, I liked singing um, and writing, but I didn't mm. know if that, I mean, you know, I've always been the kind of person to hedge my bets and do lots of different things. So I was like, maybe I'll be a journalist, maybe I'll be a music journalist. Like I like English lit and I like writing and I like music. So maybe I'll write about music. And um, it was just something and I mean, it was necessity as well because I couldn't afford to go to the amount of shows I wanted to go to. Um, so yeah, and also like to be 17, your ego definitely wants to be on guest lists and stuff, even though it's all meaningless. Um, so it was kind of like a social thing and like an aspirational thing. And just, I think at that time and for so long after that, I wanted to be close to music in any way. I was like willing to do anything and like, forego any kind of roles like before fresh I I would like answer ads about like punk bands wanting like bassists or guitarists and I wouldn't even really like the music but I was I didn't know that you know in my mind it was the best I was going to get and I was oh imagine if I got to be in a band and play mm. bass in a band that toured or imagine you know um, so I was just, you know, kind of like inserting myself into all these different roles in music, hoping that one would work out. Um, that's good energy. Yeah. I like that a lot. It is, but it's also a bit naive. And I think I should have had more confidence in myself because so you're like, doing those things, but you still didn't feel that confident. Not in my, uh, instrument abilities for sure. Right. Like the reason I would like answer ads for bass players is because I thought bass was easier than guitar. Um, which different people who play bass will tell you different things about. So I'm not going to enter into that um, dilemma. But um, <laughs> hey, two less drinks, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely at that time, because it was, you know, it was kind of on me. I was not listening to any women. So I thought that the only way I could be in music as a musician was to be the supporting you know supporting person in a man's band and I mm. thought that I would just piggyback off that and at first just playing music in in a room was enough but that quickly wasn't enough and then yeah. I realized oh shit I have to I have to do my own band like I have to do this um, that must have been a great feeling it was really scary until I played a show and then I felt absolutely no fear and just the desire to do it again and again and again 
Great. And then, like, absolute looking back, like, complete, like, a modicum of good, you know, results. Like, nothing huge. It wasn't like, it's not like Fresh or even, you know, a huge band now. And it's not like we debuted, you know, you know, playing these huge things and being a really big band. But, like, we got a feature on a blog site at that time that was run by Zach Zarillo. Yeah, he he's was, huge. Um, yeah, um, so his his blog property, Zach, did a feature on Fresh in our first week. And then... The first week being a band? Yeah, so we put out Gooing Chum and then... Great. And then, like, Gooing Chum went up on Bandcamp and then there was immediately the stream of people from the feature on yeah. property, Zach, to Bandcamp who were listening and... It just felt like by complete chance we had a little tiny bit of momentum. But for me, because I'd never experienced anything, it was huge. And it was like, oh, my God, my band, like people are people are giving me physical money for a digital copy of an EP I recorded in a day in in our guitarist's flat. Like, you know, it felt like it felt huge for me. And I think it would have been I think it is huge for somebody of that age and that situation. Um, I think that's really cool i think about that all the time i think so many bands would be gassed stoked mm. to have yeah. that anyone's blog anyone taking the time to write out yeah. to write about you that's yeah. the biggest compliment and you know in a way also i have to thank like the way the functionality of Bandcamp because you know how like when a user on Bandcamp buys your buys your music digitally their little avatar pops up underneath your music mm, and then mm. the more and more people buy it suddenly there's this little wall of of different faces and also sometimes their profile pictures are just made up of other things they've bought and sometimes those things might be album artwork you recognize and they might mm. even leave a comment yeah. and so suddenly it's almost like i mean i never had myspace but it's what i imagine myspace is with like your top your top friends like yeah totally. it's almost like this weird this amazing public endorsement of your band from strangers and I remember like seeing people from places from cities in in America you know and countries that I'd never been to and just being like oh my god this is so cool and this and this blog from from Philly has you know said that we're good and <laughs> yeah and yeah. like yeah, and so before that, I wasn't sure if I was good enough to be in a band. But after that, I just became the fully fledged narcissist that I am today. And <laughs> <laughs> I've never since then. I've never doubted that I I, I shouldn't be in a band <laughs> to the point that I was just you know ridiculous about it. I like decided to stay in London for uni because of my band and everything. So. <laughs> Paint me a picture of your life when, when that first single came out. When Get Bent came out, the super slow, super lo-fi, slightly out of tune version. That I, remember, I remember the fir first time I heard it, it was, it, it was, you could feel the energy. It was brilliant. Yeah, the energy was there for sure. I think that's all that matters. I think that's, that must be what people picked up on because it wasn't much to write home about in terms of like production at all and yeah and and like performance but yeah it had the energy I think I think I remember that must have been why we got that show with supporting ship present um in London I think Iona liked the energy like it's just like yeah. chance little leg ups like that that then kind of snowball um but yeah at that time I was in my final year of I was in year 13 
I'd done all my like UCAS stuff. Uh, yeah, and I, I was like totally devoted to my band, which hadn't played a show yet, but we'd put out this EP. And like, I remember like my school like had a yearbook and they did like the superlatives, like the most nicest hair or most popular or whatever. There was one yeah. person who won best mixtape and he'd like dropped like a SoundCloud thing. And I was so annoyed. I was like, what the fuck? Like, have they not heard my fuck? Like, <laughs> so I think I was just like very precocious, very just like it was honestly it's it's a time in my life where I was like so excited and happy <laughs> not I'm not happy now but just like I I think looking back it was like a really exhilarating time and like probably a time where I felt like I was finally getting validation for everything that I'd been working on or kind of just like kind of like experiencing in the last few years like you know I, I I'd, I'd listened to so much indie rock and punk music and mm. but I didn't feel like I was had a place in the scene at all um not just because my gender but just because of like I don't know I just yeah because I yeah I don't know and then like suddenly to be able to say you're in a band it's like a signifier of something <laughs> you, you said on culture fear run by brilliant Sean Sheehy yeah I loved your guys' chat and well, um one thing I really one moment that I've thought that I felt a lot of um love for was mm. when you were playing music in in school or college yeah where you you know it was your it was your it was your little secret yeah yeah I had the the band name Fresh since I was like 16 mm. um and I started writing the songs for the first EP when I was 17 so for like a a sizable amount of time when you're that age I think for that for that time it was like a band in my head that was like a utopian ideal of myself yeah, yeah. well I think <laughs> people can relate to that yeah. I think that's very relatable I think so I think like when you're that age everything is so intense you know even for the, the average teenager and you're going through so much and then to have this world in your head or to have this kind of like ideal of yourself it's like it's it's honestly it's a refuge like yeah I was I I didn't have the easiest teenage years I had a really rough time um and yeah like it was I think all that intensity just went right into it maybe I should have put more effort into like therapy and cams and all the stuff that I literally just was willfully (laughs) not not doing what I should have been doing um but, you know, I mean, it worked out in that I'm still here. So, <laughs> Did, Was there ever a conflict with that? And, you know, you mentioned you, you stayed in London to do to go to uni. So, you know, mm. you carry on with the band. Was there any other conflict with education or, or work? Not really. I, the, the things I'm good at, I'm not good at, like, I'm, I've got a really, really small, narrow, like, band of stuff that I'm good at. But what, I, I know how to handle that. I was... I was always really good at languages and, and literature at school. And so, I don't know, it never occurred to me to not do both at the same time. I think mm. I didn't get any of my unis and I went into clearing. And then the only option, and when I say I didn't get any of my unis, it was because I overshot it with my massive ego. And I'd applied to places where it was like, you know, A star, A star, A. Mm. Um, mm. And I got an A star, A, B or something, you know, something like, pretty close but because of that yeah yeah, like oh my god I didn't get out of bed for three days when I got those results and looking back I just want to like I want to shake myself for just for like not 
like giving myself the self-respect to like congrat like to 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 just like recognize my abilities and stuff like you know mm-hmm. the the kind of the the yeah I, I i ran myself into the ground to get those a-level results while you know having a tough time and yeah so i didn't get any of my unis and i went into clearing and the only uni that wanted me was manchester for english lit and i didn't i mean i'd always thought i didn't think i was ever gonna study languages but then i just thought oh why don't i just take a year out work at the library in my school work on my band (laughs) and um retake my french a level and then see if i can study french in in london um i don't really know how i came to any of those decisions but i just did <laughs> it's funny looking back now you know i guess like and in fact that was that was the age that i met you and i met george and dan and iona and andrew and Kay. i was in that part of my life i was like redoing my a-levels and working for the first time <laughs> at, the li- at the library Properly. in your school at the library in my school yeah that's such a smart job to have well my parents both have masters in librarianship they're both librarians wow um so it's in the blood um it was a really really easy job it was pretty cushy um uh I I honestly I think I think I was like a mess when I went into clearing I was so stressed my I think my headmaster like came down it was a catholic school and he was like you know this is all part of God's plan you don't need to be stressed like and I was just sitting there like in like in tears like you know nothing of my pain like you don't want you don't want to say it's part of God's plan to a 17 18 year old it's just it's not going to go down well um but I think he felt so sorry for me that he offered me a job for a whole year (laughs) um maybe that's not the best way to get jobs based on pity but it's better than not having a job um and then with that money I bought like all my pedals that I still use today. Like I bought my rat, my tube screamer. Yeah. Um, Signature I, tube screamer. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Like honestly, don't knock it. It's, it's, it's the I'm best. Not. I'll <laughs> happily borrow it off you anytime. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and a patch cable and a, and a guitar lead. And everything else. And <laughs> everything else. <laughs> <laughs> that, that year working in the library, I mean, how, you know, looking back on it now, how how long, how many months did it take you to kind of roll into, you know, growing into that and growing into yourself when you were there? I think, I think, but when it started, I was like going to like really big, big corporate shows. But by the end of that year, I was going to little DIY shows and like I knew everyone. I was seeing bands like Narwhals and stuff by the end mm. of that year and like kind of really you know i'd kind of realized that music was something that you could actually interact with and you know rock stars mm-hmm. weren't wasn't you know it wasn't the only option don't really exist um, yeah exactly and i was and i was playing guitar i was able to play guitar standing up by the end of that year which was just enough to start to enough to you know book shows and stuff so i think that year was really crucial for me um it, it was the year i made loads of mistakes with my band in terms of like interpersonal relationships with members and you know like Mm. stuff like and just organizing like practice and like we used to practice for one pound an hour at Camden Roundhouse Studios um I don't know if they still do it but if you're under 25 you can practice a pound an hour there that is brilliant studios um were you practicing quite often were you you being pretty (laughs) that's the thing I was you know once a week at minimum come on whatever and then you know the other members of Fresh at the time, not all of them, but uh, a couple of them. Well, one of them was 15. The drummer Diaz was 15. He was so talented. Wow. Incredible drummer. But 
a 15 year old boy um, so you know he, he he's like fuck off i got gcses um yeah. Yeah. and then the other the bassist at the time was in his own little scene band and he was super focused on that he definitely saw fresh as a side project um which is fine um but you know not fine for me <laughs> mm. Mm. So, well i mean this yeah. is all this is all like such interesting like real life shit right because yeah. it's like it's such a confusing thing in bands or groups where it's like okay how can I ask you to take this as seriously as me without sounding like a dickhead yes it's literally like I can't I don't know how to explain it to you but I feel it in my bones that you should stop doing everything else and talking to other people (laughs) and you should spend all your time learning my songs and helping me carry heavy amps that i and you know what like honestly i don't know what i did in a past life to deserve it but dan and george and, and miles now when they when they, when i met dan and george they were the people i met first they they were immediately on that level with me um they were like yeah it was insane That's i great. think i mean i know for a fact that both of them liked fresh before they were in fresh but to have somebody back you to that level and also like somebody who you look up Mm -hmm. to because they were older and they were and I loved their band and they were wiser like you know so I was like oh my god like it it really puts confidence in you it kind of like it's kind of like a mentor thing I think um and yeah I'm just so grateful for it if possible if at all possible you kind of need someone to help nurture you you need Mm -hmm. someone older to hold your you know not hold your hand but someone to give you advice yes someone to like be like yo have you thought about that because you might not have thought about that yeah and honestly both Dan and George maybe especially Dan at the beginning because he's got more of a head for like admin and he can drive so he's always kind of like he (laughs) literally someone to be like have you thought about what time we need to get there for sound check have you thought about uh how we're gonna get amps there and just yeah literal things that I would have just fallen apart organizing and I'm still not very good organizing but that Dan especially having toured in kind of hardcore bands um for so long and just like no you know being not only a really talented drummer but he played bass for a long time oh right um and just yeah like yeah just I really feel like I I had you know like you know in those cheesy like kind of like uh itv morning shows where they're like you know and here's one i made earlier i i feel like somebody came up with me and like here's some bad members that we that are you know that are sensible and smart and compassionate and engaged and creative and we made them earlier (laughs) because you're fresh out the oven and you have no idea what you need that you need that (laughs) yeah but honestly like and i'm i think you and i have talked about this briefly in that entering oh quote unquote the scene at a younger age like you really are at the mercy of slightly older punks. And like, I I think I was super lucky with Fresh and just that we met so many people who had experience um, that I didn't have that were just willing to like completely like go out of their way to help me. Right. And like, yeah. that's what Special Subject did. And that's what all the bands we toured with did. And yeah, yeah. like yeah. still do. <laughs> that's going to have a, such a massive positive force on you taking yourself um, more seriously. Abs- exactly. Like if, I, okay, to be a teenage girl and to have three older men 
care about the band that's very legitimizing i wish it wasn't but it is um yeah you know like and so yeah i think i think it just made me feel like oh i can keep up with this like i keep up with these people <laughs> that vote that vote of confidence you're like oh yeah. this i am like i am of value yeah yeah like wow i see myself as this scared little girl but i must not be <laughs> essentially yeah did that put any pressures on you i mean the outside mm. forces of your life be it family mm. be it work be it mm. education slash paying rent where you're living i mean you spent yeah. a year out in france was it a year yeah yeah and that was i that was something that i was terrified about catastrophized in my mind built up convinced it was going to be the end of the band and it was like one of the best things i ever did for sure allowed me to grow as a person Great. Um, when I wrote some notes for this, um, I wrote down a list of all the jobs I've had. That's my favorite job, teaching English in France, working as an English teacher, um, like completely, you know, working and living in a foreign country in a foreign language and having that confidence and discovering like a different part of myself. Yeah. And I mean, at that time I was 21 and I'd been in fresh for a while and I was convinced <laughs> well, uh, to say it now is insane, but I was convinced that as far as self-development went and friends I had, I'd hit the ceiling. I was never going to have any more friends in my life. I had enough friends. <laughs> I was never going to grow in any kind of media. I was fully done. You know, I was so mature and so nuanced and so in insightful about myself. Yeah. And then I get there and I was shocked that people who didn't at all listen to the same music as me mm -hmm. still wanted to be my friend mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like mm -hmm. wow mm -hmm. um and that was super important for me um but yeah and then like after that when I came back and I started my final year Fresh was um Fresh was touring the states and Fresh was doing big UK tours and I was writing my dissertation and I was doing it remotely um and I was I mean honestly there's been I've I've said this to to people individually. Sometimes people talk, or you know, there's other people who who do their degrees and and manage a lot of things while being in a band. And I say I never recommend doing what I did because it wasn't mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think it's I clearly felt like it was what I needed to do at the time, and I'm glad in retrospect. But I was honestly not in a good mental state, and I yeah, I played fest. And I, I'd never been to Fest before. And I, I sat there, I remember like landing, getting to our Airbnb, setting things down and going straight into the festival, like, you know, into a venue. And like, George was so excited that this festival he'd loved and kind of come out and seen before by himself, like just as a, as a, as a punter, he couldn't believe that his band was playing it. And I think Fresh was playing on the PA at this little venue. And like, Sick. I was sitting there like, wow, I'm 22. <laughs> I'm at Fest for the first time and the reason I'm there is because I'm playing and all I feel right now is just complete stress and like there was like personal shit going on and like I was just miserable um and I yeah and I just remember being like oh no like yeah I do have everything I want technically on paper right mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. but you know like at that moment and it didn't last the whole weekend um the 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 kind of 40 minutes we played were amazing but that whole weekend aside from that I was 
honestly crying in my room. <laughs> like I was, you know, having a hard time. Um, Those perfect times can often quite feel very, you know, anything. But mm. um, and equally, it, by equal measure, you can be going to France that you really catastrophized and yeah. actually, you know, you, you've, you've found all these you know, you're part of yeah. your own story and your story develops in a way that you had no yeah. foresight of. It was the most mentally balanced, like clarifying year of my life that I'd remembered for a long, long time since I was like a small child. It was, Great. you know, one of the only years I wasn't on antidepressants. Like it was, but you know, at the things I thought that would be good for me and that I thought would give me happiness were not the things that I, were not the things that I, you know was accounting for and planning for mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i don't but now you know that being said i played one of my favorite shows at fest mm-hmm. um there were you know individual moments of a great time and it was an ex- and you know especially now when you're sitting here kind of like in covid times thinking jesus christ i used to live that life and I took it for granted. I was miserable the whole time. And I, you know, immediately kind of checked myself and I go, no, you were going through a lot. You were not mentally healthy. You know, you can't beat yourself up for something, you, you know, mm-hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty. Totally. Um, and even on that tour, you know, on a, on a wider scale around, around fest, like I had a great time, but for that younger teenager who was so excited that people bought her EP on Bandcamp, you know, she'd never yeah I had no idea that I I thought that these arbitrary markers of success like touring the states and getting on a plane to go play a gig and having people love your band unfortunately that isn't enough if you're not mentally healthy if you're if you're suffering from a mental illness then all the you know external validation and wonderful opportunities and traveling isn't going to help and it's only once you recognize that that you can like find that balance. And I I hope I found that balance, but I'm not going to assume like I did when I was 21 that at 24 mm. I've hit the ceiling at personal development, you know. No. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think the last few years... I don't know if I've learned it fully yet. It's a process, but I Absolutely. look back and I think, do you know what those, those, those times, they don't own me. You know, that, yeah. that bad feeling doesn't own me. And actually yes. it's up to me whether I let that get under my skin now. I mean, you kind of, yeah. it's not always true, but for me, sometimes it does work. Sometimes it's like, yeah, but do you know what? Like maybe that was part of my journey. That was a, that was, yeah. part, that was part of my test. That's definitely yeah, you, you, maybe yeah. who I am today you have that control over how you allocate that in your memory of that stage of your life. You're so right. And like, and also I think if you have depression or anxiety or any kind of mental health issue, I suppose, but I can only speak to what I have in my brain, but like there's a tendency to, to mix up your mental illness, your personality, you know, Oh, I was miserable in at that time. And because I was miserable and I was, 
getting to play with a band I loved, getting to tour with a band I loved in another country. But, you know, instead of being like, oh, I was <laughs> I was going through, you know, an episode, it was like, oh, I, I'm, I don't like music, mm-hmm. you know, which is not true. It's the furthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. like what I've realized now is that honestly, like, I feel like I, I, I those experiences are, are kind of like more worthwhile to me in retrospect because I can look back and I can, that you know, that they're not, they're not gone. I still did it. And I'm, mm. and now that I'm in a much better place, I can, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. can look back and be like, oh, you know, yeah, I was, I was really upset that night, but the next morning when we went and got coffee before going to see Slingshot Dakota, I was, you know, yeah, great. that was a lovely time. And that was a lovely interaction I had. And yeah, yeah. you know, that, that one show in North Carolina was really amazing and et cetera, et cetera. Like they're not, they're not finite. You can still have those experiences and you can like, you can reframe them, which is, I think what, exactly what you just said. Um, but yeah, like it's really hard. I, yeah, to, to not judge yourself for that, especially when, you don't really understand mental health, mm-hmm. which sucks mm-hmm. because you think that if you had depression, you would understand depression. Mm-hmm. But in fact, I just mistake my depression for, you know, inherent personality traits or like me being a horrible person. But it's like, it's not, it's just like there was, there was something chemical going on, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. fine. I, I, I wonder like as a songwriter, as an artist, as a lyricist, um, mm-hmm. as a, as a musician, all of those things that are all kind of their mm-hmm. own separate things, whether, that means that you do reflect just a, probably an inordinate, inordinate amount. <laughs> um, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of have to, that's, that's part of the job. Yeah. I think I'm a very good retroactive reflector, but the problem with depression is that it completely lacks any self-awareness right? as a nature of it as an illness. And so like in the moment, I have no insight into my own, into my own thoughts I don't, I think I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, as well as I'm also really anxious and overthinking kind of person. So I, mm, I, mm. I hyperanalyze everything I do, even in the moment. So I think my behavior has never suffered because of depression. Like I've never acted in a way really where I felt like, oh, but in terms of how I see myself and like my self-worth and my self-esteem in the moment, it's like your brain is telling you that you're a fraud and you're you know faking it and you're you're not really whatever or whatever and I completely believe it and it's only after depending on the severity you know maybe a month after or a week after or a year after I'm like oh god damn I fell for it <laughs> it's it's hard to live in the present isn't it yeah it's hard really to look hard. at things objectively especially when you're having a great tour or a great gig where you're like can yeah. I just hold on to this moment but it's it's going too quick oh yeah and you know that's not the moment that will come back yeah the moment they'll come back yeah Yeah. that's funny the time you played that show when you were 19 and your guitar strap fell off oh my god do you have have any bad dreams have you got any sort of teeth falling out guitar strings going out god you know i I don't have any anxiety about playing like and honestly i don't deserve it because i've 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 had faux pas like all my my power supply cut out on our first ever show in europe but like but you're so right it's the moments when i'm healthy and I'm like having like a wonderful time and I'm like creating my art and I'm interacting with people and I'm traveling and I'm they're the times when my self-worth and self-esteem is like at the highest but mm-hmm. unfortunately they're not the times that I keep and like refer to as proof 
Yeah. Don't know yeah. why. It's the yeah. age old mystery, I suppose, of everyone's fragile sense of self. But, you know, like, God. We can talk at length about these things and it always fascinates yeah. me. And yeah. I, know, I know I'm going back to my brand here, but it always fascinates me how <laughs> the fuck people can work between all of that and and continue good relationships with their boss. Absolutely. Like I, I never really meaningfully dated in all of the busy band times because I didn't have the emotional energy. Mm. Like my band was just like everything. Like, so no long-term relationships. Um, like, yeah I, yeah I treated my band as a job and I treated my uni degree as a job I like didn't have any friends at uni no social friendships because I lived in the I'd commuted I literally like it was like going in for like a nine to five for your lectures and stuff wow, yeah. and like that like yielded great results academically but like yeah I, I am I sad I missed out on like a typical uni experience maybe I don't know like I feel like touring is be is like being in 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 halls, right? Totally. In terms of like hygiene and shit. So you went that was in central London that uni, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was so, like Strand. And I do think I, I went to City in in Islington. It's like once you're off campus, yeah. you're not gonna. Okay, I bumped into someone once or twice, but oh my god, yeah, London, right? Like nine million people. You're not gonna see them. Like that's <laughs> no, it's not. You're not gonna bump not. into each other at the cafeteria or whatever no. happens in Warwick or exactly. Exactly. Whereas when I was forced to go and live in, you know, a tiny, tiny rural village in the middle of nowhere in the south of France, there was no escape from anything anywhere. Like all my students saw exactly what I was buying in the supermarket mm. and all their parents did too <laughs> and honestly as a Londoner like I realized I couldn't walk anywhere with headphones in anymore because people would just be going like bonjour Catherine like oh my god it's Catherine and I'd be like <laughs> like you did not want to make the mistake of like like looking like you were ignoring them or really had your earphones in <laughs> so it's just a completely different culture Brilliant. love that um will you go back yeah. to teaching do you think yeah that's what I want to do with my I, so okay so my my career goals my corporate job career goals like I always want to play music I want to be like you know like an old old woman and have like so many albums like an extensive back catalogue behind me I absolutely want that mm -hmm. but practically in terms of like living my life independently and meaningfully and making an earning I want to I mean I'm kind of I've started it now but I want to complete my master's I want to get a PhD and I want to be uh, a researcher and teacher. Um, Brilliant. And yeah, like I work right now as a research degrees coordinator and this whole year because of COVID, I've had more time and I've worked as like uh, a research assistant um, and like I've been proofreading manuscripts and teaching assistant stuff and like... Amazing. It's really filled a bit of a hole where live music has left it. And that stuff um, comes comes yeah. comes naturally to you. Yeah, yeah. I think I think teaching's a bit like performing. <laughs> when I was in I France, like my youngest students were like fourteen, and then I had adult learners as well. I had I had I was teaching thirty year olds as well, but like I was a bit different. Mm. So like I don't know. I don't know if I'm a natural teacher yet, but I know I enjoy it and I want to work at it. Mm. And I yeah like I just think it's like it's like a it's like a really interesting profession and it's it's like I don't know I think I think back to like my time as a young person and like teachers were some of the most impactful people to me mm. so if I could you know do that as well as being able to like explore my own research and interests that's literally like 
positive positive Hell in yeah. my mind. Hell yeah. I think I think I I think I need a bit more confidence before I become a good teacher. I'm quite scared. Talking in front of people is scary in a way that singing and playing isn't for me. Working in education as you're doing now as you have so I mean you've basically worked in education since since leaving school. Kind of. I worked jobs in between, like I worked in Waitrose. I worked on the meat and fish counter. I had to gut fish and I was a vegetarian. And <laughs> oh, no. I put on my application, right? I put, I'm a vegetarian. Don't put me on the meat and fish counter. <laughs> and then Waitrose was like, fuck you. Uh, I literally only lasted three months. Um, I mean, I, because we were touring so much, I wasn't yeah. be able to work yeah. there 35 hours a week. Um, and I hated it and it was for like £7.30 an hour there was there was honestly actually the people were kind of nice I liked I liked chatting with my my fellow fish gutters Um, but besides (laughs) that like absolutely that's the thing I find it very hard to put in effort to something where there's no reward like I was like why am like yeah, there was no redeeming factor really there. You know, I was exhausted. I had to shower twice a day because I stank fish. People yeah, literally like, moved away from me on the bus. It was disgusting. <sighs> like, yeah, and the like my my first week there, they were like to me, okay, when you get home, first take a hot shower to open your pores and get the smell out. <laughs> then take a cold shower so you actually get right. to clean yourself. Right. And it was just like I remember, I had to wear like a shitty little uniform with a little tie and a little hat. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in Richmond as well. It was the Richmond Waitrose. Right. So like the people were very demanding and high maintenance. Um, good people of Richmond, don't at me, but. <laughs> Jesus Christ like they were like yeah I need my fresh salmon I need my fucking thing right away and I and also I, yeah I'm not I don't know I'm not the best at quickly picking up instructions you know like mm. I have anxiety if I'm faced with a cash register I'll want to spend 10 minutes entering something in just to be sure I did it right but then you've got oh basically yeah I've worked in Costa as well like and for the I remember like crying after every shift just because I was so anxious about it and like looking back it's all this wasted energy on things that I had no but that's the thing like obviously you have to make money you have to like just try and get by but it does you know it does Mm -hmm. frustrate me that so much energy was wasted on something that has no bearing on like my life and plans um you can get a real dull feeling on a Tuesday morning going to a job you don't like when it's raining even just even oh no stop describing it i'm getting it (laughs) it's coming honestly three changes on the tube no stop no stop (laughs) (laughs) oh it's awful it's awful with with the education system is that like i was just thinking you know about the language that Mm. you know talking about talking as a teacher um you know are, are you you know you must be picking up language and kind of uh body language as well and all these kinds of parts that make up um yeah I think I've always been really good at talking to people and like reading people. Mm. That makes me sound like a psychopath, but I think that's fine. Like I think it's fine, yeah. I'm good at that and I think I'm also quite good at like putting out what I want to communicate. I think I'm a good communicator and I think I'm good at intercepting other people. I think that's fine. Mm. But yeah, I, I yeah, and you know what being in a band is all about that. Like you're just with people and working with people all day mm-hmm. on a tour you're living with them mm-hmm. you're interacting with a dozen different promoters and people in different contexts um you have to quickly remember things and then when you perform you have to kind of like gauge what the crowd is like so mm-hmm. i think that's that and i think i've always liked language because my parents 
are Irish and Irish was spoken a little bit at home and I quite liked I think I was always just interested in foreign languages and like yeah. speaking foreign languages yeah and so I just and yeah you know at primary school we learned Spanish and I loved Spanish and then started French and loved French and then and then I wrote my my undergraduate dissertation on like queer translation and how translation is like this amazing vessel for like queerness because it like bridges gaps it's like intermediate right. you know like it, it like it, it goes between things it's kind of like a clandestine thing um and like that's what I've been working at recently I work as like so like there's this workshop at King's called the Radical Translation Workshop and like I help with like impact activities and like with the students and stuff um and we're like translating like 18th century like revolutionary French stuff that's never been translated into English and we're all as a group bringing it into modern language in English because like you know I think it's important that like revolutionary language especially wow. now like is accessible yeah um and I uh, yeah like that that's just as important to me as music is but they completely activate different parts of my brain and my personality I think I think I need both of them to like be fulfilled <laughs> I've thought a lot about recently how music is a language exactly yeah it's it's a universal language that that yeah and like you're so right in that as well like we're kind of like transplanting ourselves across all these different cultures in bands like it is really crazy that we're from one place and we have one cultural viewpoint but for some reason 500 people in Dusseldorf are really into that <laughs> yeah like fest like, punk. you know yeah like it's funny it never fails to yeah. kind of make me laugh and it kind of makes me happy and it, and it also opens my eyes to so many other stuff I mean I've been listening to quite a lot of stereo lab recently talking about France nice. and you know that's yeah. like a whole world of its own that I like haven't even scratched the surface and like working for a year working in France and being not French you know kind of being part of French society and their attitude towards work Honestly, it's kind of ruined my work ethic. And I say this to all my friends, like all the girls I lived with, there was like four of us. And um, our only common language was French because we had one Spanish person and then one Scottish person, one Welsh person, and then me. And um, so we were like representing all the nations. Um, and so our only common language was like broken French, yeah. which was a really interesting way to like have a friendship. But like we have this really deep, beautiful, meaningful friendship That's because... So cool of this weird language we have, but we all have talked about how like working, <laughs> how like having two hour lunch breaks and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and striking all the time and <laughs> paying like 135 euro for your rent a month has like wow. ruined us for, for going back to the UK. It's really radicalized all of us. I mean, <laughs> it's going to inform the way you look at life. Isn't it really it? has. It has like, it's just, I, I, I feel more, I, I mean this in a good way, but it's also not good in terms of like maybe my my ability to survive in our kind of horrible Tory austerity society. But I, mm. I feel entitled now to more things. Yeah, like, why good. should I have to fucking break my back working a job I hate with no benefits when I know and I've tasted life working a meaningful job mm -hmm. at 10% mm -hmm. of the effort with so much time for like, like, cultural enrichment <laughs> yeah wow we, you and i we have we're we're helping someone right now because i i feel relieved fucking me, me too me too wow. these conversations have saved me you know i think i still have the habit this is so funny because i just said i'm a great communicator but i still <laughs> definitely think of conversation as 
your turn to speak, your turn to speak, your turn, my yeah. turn to speak, my turn yeah, to speak, yeah. my turn yeah. to speak. But you're right. Like, it's not just an exchanging of information for the purpose of the listener. No, there's an it's energy, like, isn't there? Yeah. And there's like experience, yeah. and there's sharing experience. and But that only happens when it's a subject such as punk, that mm -hmm. shared experience when it's important. Like, and I think that's the thing, like in the corporate world, your, your, your exchange is not, you know, based off that energy and it is to get, you know, for the goal of obtaining information. Mm. Um, and that, yeah, that's hard. It's, yeah, you're walking this line, there's two switches in your head and sometimes you get it wrong and you, you bring your punk switch to work or suddenly you're, you're analyzing something in punk with your corporate frame of mind and you have to shake yourself and go, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Lyrics, you know, inform that you know how many times yeah. in your life have you been in a difficult situation and a song line from i don't know one of your favorite bands for me it's sometimes oh jawbreaker God, yeah. or saves the day um yeah which sometimes aren't necessarily the best lines to think of because they can be really you know uh <laughs> catastrophic but you know catastrophizing i mean but lyrics yeah, lyrics mean, are so much in punk rock aren't they <laughs> yeah and I, yeah exactly and they they bleed into that's the thing they're universal um because people can't separate them from the sound mm. that they, they don't get that recognition but you're right as lyrics and as language it's completely universal people mm. don't see that but mm. like for some reason i worked a part-time job for years at resident studios yeah i've only recently just kind of stopped because of how how i've how i've been lucky enough to get permanent employment at kings yeah for years i worked at the studio you know zero hour contract i was working 5 p.m to midnight um and like, for some reason, the one song I would always listen to on the way there and the way back was War Pigs <laughs> by Black Sabbath. <laughs> Fucking ace. Um, because I don't know, I don't know why. I think my mind was like, I, you know, even if it was music, like it wasn't a career I was interested in advancing. And so it's like, yeah. 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 You know what? Lovely, <laughs> lovely, kind studio with people I am um, really you know have deep connections with and friends with fuck you you're you're no better than the fucking generals gathering in their masses or whatever <laughs> like that's brilliant you know because you've got to take responsibility for what you want to do and sometimes that is going to be the case yeah. and you have to you know mentioned it earlier on in the chat where it's like you know you have to do it for yourself yeah yeah and like i'm i mean that studio kept me financially stable throughout touring it was the mm. one job where it allowed for touring mm. so everyone everyone was touring but like I'm I'm also glad that part of my life is over because I, I you know I can't deny the the work I want to do in research and stuff and mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. I've got and you know yeah I I, I don't want to work in a studio mm. I mean honestly I like recording as an artist but mm -hmm. yeah that part doesn't really interest me much mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so yeah like it, it feels it feels really good to just like I think that's the, like the word part-time job it like it it implies this kind of like f transience and like moving in and out of stuff and like picking this up and dropping this and like I think those those jobs are so trivial and like I definitely got flack for years from my parents why are you working this minimum wage job at the studio and it's like this is what I need to do right now mm -hmm. this suits mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. this suits this is the this job is fine that I don't put all of my life and soul into making sure that the rehearsal bands don't steal the mic stands. Like <laughs> I can, I can read my uni work at my desk and I can, you know, 
this is what I need for me at this part of my life. And that's what a part-time job should be. It should act as a support and support you through a part of your life. And it should not like eclipse your energy and your, your commitment to, to what you're really passionate about doing. And that notion is just completely faded. You know, mm-hmm. any kind of job you do has to be your life. Just mm-hmm. out of sheer, oh yeah, it's exhausting. And I think if I was, even if I was neurotypical, I'd struggle with it, but I'm insane. <laughs> you know? well, that's what you just said. That's so vital. Thank you. You know, thank you. You, you helped me there. Oh, mate. Thanks. Yeah. You have to remember to know, you know, remember to not forget. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that does sound like it should be pasted on a magnet. So but that's true. because it's important and it should be looked at every day when you go to get your milk out the fridge. Yeah. But like, yeah, like yeah, totally. that is, and it's those kind of, they sound cliche when you say them, but you know, you kind of wish they were cliche, more cliched in your mind or cemented yeah. in your mind. And you yeah. wish that you, that, that you, uh, what's you the word? Take that more seriously. Yeah. Or like just give it exactly. the time, give it the weight. Yeah. 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 Believe them. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you just, you just cast it aside, don't you? But yeah, like I think I I I like routine, I like structure, I like stability, and that's not great for touring. Mm. Um, but ultimately, I just know that my for the very 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 long foreseeable future, like my life is going to be fitting my career interests around music because that's that's what I want, and that's not going to lend itself to like the most easiest of times in the future like I'm it's gonna mean I'm gonna have to like make sacrifices and be really stressed but I know it's what I want to do and that's enough to like buoy me up to to get me through it I think Catherine that's amazing this I've really I've really enjoyed that thank you so much for I feel being like I've had an this. epiphany thank you Giles <laughs> for having me I genuinely I've Brilliant. I I love this podcast like your episode with Francis from Hop Along fuck yeah, yeah. like with yeah like so many like I yeah I love this podcast and so it's I can't believe I've been admitted into the canon I'm like wow no pleasure to have you so that was Catherine from Fresh I absolutely loved that chat I feel like I've taken away a lot from that and I hope you have too Fresh's new record The Summer I Got Good at Guitar is out now on Specialist Subjects Records go and have a look at either of their websites or band camps to see what you can get physically there and you can also have a look at my book 35 page illustrated hardback of excerpts from the first 101 episodes of the podcast at 101parttimejobs.com where you can see screenshots and have a look at the cover before you purchase if you so wish thanks again for listening here's cox sparrow i've been working all day got me mate on the side running around like a blue ass fly i've been working yeah i've been working all day got me mate every bleeding minute i've been on the go up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow i've been working yeah i've been working all day got me mate this is a mighty moon media podcast Hey, podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.